You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back. Back with the Texas Poker Podcast and... We do have a couple sessions that we can go over. Uh, me and Tyler just finished one. I was going to bring this up to you, though, Tyler. I know, like, so we both done, like, different poker coaching. Like, uh, I have gravitated towards the Crush Live Poker and the Red Chip. Uh, you've done a lot of Jonathan Little's, the poker coaching. And I know we're both big fans of what we've done, what we've studied. I think it's one of those things, as long as you study good information, you're going to get good results. Uh, do, you, do you hear about the kind of little feud between Jonathan Little and Matt Berkey? No, I haven't heard. Catch me up. So Jonathan Little is basically does one of those tweets where he's like, most, most of you can be big winners at poker. And is like, but most of you won't just because it's like the discipline and all that. It kind of lists, you know, like the traits that, you know, you can do to make yourself a big winner. Kind of one of his standard stuff. I mean, he does a lot of stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and literally I was telling you about this session. I lost my discipline and lost. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, if I read that tweet, maybe it would help me. So (laughs) Matt Barkey comes back at him and he says, well, most people can't be big winners at poker. Like there's a kind of a survivorship bias that like the big winners have. And it's, you're kind of selling a dream that like a lot of people can't achieve. And I found it kind of interesting because in, I'm not always a big fan of Matt Berkey. God knows like in some of the stuff he was saying with Doug Polk, I've kind of roasted him on this podcast a little bit, but I did feel like, both made kind of interesting points. What do you think about that? I don't I definitely think, I mean, as someone who's taken a ton of Jonathan's little, you know, courses, classes, done the quizzes, all that. I mean, I 100% agree with if you do his classes and course and you actually do what they preach, I, I too agree anybody can be a big winner. I mean, I was living proof of someone who had never studied or really played before, took those courses Turn that thing right around. So, I completely agree with what you're saying, but here's my counterpoint as far as Matt Burke, and I think this is where he's coming from. And like I say, I think I think the feud ward off, and I'm sure they agree on way more than they uh, disagree. But okay, let's start out at one, two, one, three, where most people would start for poker. If you're going that route. We know that probably 85 to 90% of people are going to be losers, right? Just because it's a zero-sum game. If you look at it, if you were average, you would actually just be losing the rake and the tips. Sure. So you're going to have to be well above average to actually beat this game. And at that point, one, two, one, three, you're not beating it for that much. So, and then once you go to like two, five, the competition gets way better, right? I mean, I guess it just depends on what you consider a big winner. I consider somebody winning at 10 big blinds an hour a big winner. Well, I guess that's the big thing. I think, like, well, if we're looking at 
like twenty to thirty dollars an hour, and you think, and we're considering that's a big winner, then a hundred percent that that's then this is not a debate; it's one hundred percent achievable with any type of study. Oh, that's that's what I thought he was saying. I figured it was just ten big blinds an hour, which is what they say to kind of shoot for. Oh, okay. Like I think everybody else took it as like big winner is like making like it like an achievable life income type deal like like 40 or 50 an hour or something well i mean you make you win 10 big blinds you move up in stakes and make win 10 big blinds again an hour you're right there too far well yeah but it's that's the thing is it's way harder to i mean as you go up in stakes i think it's less and less big blinds you can win i don't think i think 10 is very achievable in one two one three maybe even a little bit more actually oh no i definitely think more is I mean, it's for sure achievable. Uh, I think, but once you go up in stakes, I think it becomes harder and harder because the competition is stiffer and stiffer. Yeah, absolutely. So. But you keep studying, and you will be able to beat it $10 an hour, or 10 big lines an hour. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think you could go to, like, a five ten game and expect to ever beat it for $100 an hour, usually. I think the competition is just way too stiff. I mean, I don't know. When I went and played in the casino at the five ten game, I mean, I saw people who never played poker before ever just losing thousands of dollars. I saw golf pros just – I mean, I was in the games. I mean, I, I saw people just punt away. I mean, tens of thousands – I mean, thousands and one thousands of dollars. Well, I guess I'll defer to you because everything I'm going off is just stuff that I've heard since I've never actually been in that situation. I guess I was like, well, as you, but even you said like the five ten was actually easier than the two five from what you saw. For sure. So okay. I, I guess that's where I go from is like I did the one three and the two five, and I like I, two five is definitely beatable. I'm not saying it's that difficult, but it's a very noticeable level up. Absolutely, but I mean Jonathan's little course or classes definitely prepare you for it. Um, I, I definitely, I still agree that you could. With more study, you can still beat it at ten dollars an hour, which is what a ten big blinds an hour, which I still consider a big winner. Oh, I, well, like I say, I think that's a uh, the big thing. Well, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I've always preached that poker is very beatable. I mean, well, I mean, at this point, I have plenty of you know data to back it up. Uh, now, I've always considered it like beatable, way better as a side income than a actual income, because just for multiple reasons. I mean, you. When you're starting to look at that, yeah, you can say you're not getting taxed as heavily because I'm sure not everybody's reporting everything. But when you're looking at like 401k, health benefits and all that, and a lot of times like like say you're at a, a job and you're, you're make, your job is making 25 an hour, but that's kind of the lowest. Like kind of like, okay, when you first started in radiology – and I don't think you were super happy with the pay at that at that point. But like I told you, I was like, well, this is the least you'll ever make, and it's not that bad. And, of course, it went up from there. Whereas, whereas the least you can ever make in poker, oh, it's so goddamn low. Oh, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the floor is definitely way lower. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, uh, well, 100%. And that's kind of where I think I'm going. Is like you can be so good as— to, you can be so far above average, but you're still, like, and still make kind of not that much, right? Because, like, if an average player is losing, then if you're above average, you can be barely winning. And you're going to have to be really good to be winning at a good rate, is, is kind of my thought. 
I mean, a lot of stuff comes into play, right? Um, the rake, the your game selection, right? Um, all that definitely comes into play. I still think. I mean, if you're still beating the game at seven big blinds an hour, I still consider that. A, I mean, that's a pretty good winner. I mean, you just have to get a lot more volume in. I mean, you, I mean, all of it, you have to get a lot of volume in, but. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be making the same amount of big blind per hour when you move up in stakes. It's going to take some adjusting. But I definitely think with the right studying, you could catch right back up. Well, I think this is kind of why I think they all they both had good points. Is obviously when Matt Berkey says most people can't win at poker when it's a negative sum game, most people can't. I mean, it's on there. And Jonathan Little saying it's a you know it, you can be a big winner. I think it's dependent because we both agree. Like if we're saying like if the big winners like ten big blinds. I, I definitely, which if that's the thing of big winner, I definitely think that's achievable for anybody who puts the study in. That was my thought. Whenever you brought this, whenever you just brought this up, when they say big winner, that's just what I consider a big winner. I could kind of see like how like maybe, I don't want to say luck, but like you need more variance in tournaments. But I think if you study in cash and just plug the variance in or just log your hours and everything, definitely think it'd be pretty achievable for pretty much everyone with the right I, study. Yeah, I mean, everyone of a decent intelligence level and decent discipline. I mean, because intelligence and discipline is going to be the the two big factors. Oh, huge, which is why Jonathan Little listed them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a, because like I say, you put the study in, really not even intel. I mean, I think you can be below average intelligence, but if you have the discipline and you're willing to put in the work, you could be okay. I mean, hundred percent, and you can have a podcast and talk about poker too and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that that's, seems like it's aimed with aiming right at us. There's a bomb yeah. right coming from the uh, sky right now. But yeah, I guess I guess your thing was you were just kind of I don't want to say concerned, but we had diff- different definitions of big winner. What did what did you think whenever he said big winner? I was thinking like. Playing poker is someone who is like playing as a pro and in a very like achievable lifestyle, which I would say, I would say, at least forty to fifty an hour. Again, I mean, again, depends on your lifestyle, right? I mean, if we were living in a crummy place and eating nothing but ramen, might be achievable. I think it's hard to consider that a big winner, though, right? (laughs) I mean, you don't feel like a winner every day when you wake up and eat ramen again, but. Um, yeah, but if you're able to play two five, I I do think that with the right amount of study, it'd be very possible to be making forty to fifty an hour. Yeah, probably. I, I think forty would be more. Like, well, like I see, like it's very tr- like you're very right on the game selection. It's uh, that's the big thing because getting in I mean you definitely have to have some people dumping money a little there in 25. Oh, 100 I mean you definitely need it. Yes. So, it's a uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. It'd be very close on uh on like like I say what you do and like cuz I I would agree with you like if it's poker's a hobby which it's been a profitable hobby on on our part. So, Ten big blinds is a big winner because if that's extra money coming in, I do believe that's a big winner. It's, I mean, makes for a good extra little side income. I guess I was looking at it from a pro's perspective, and I was like, well, this is going to take a lot more. Yeah, Paul, I mean, yeah, I agree. I just, I still think just grinding the fundamentals and studying. Here, here's the, here's the thing though. 
is let's say you grind the hours and study. The thing is that money has to be more than you would make in your regular job. So if you're a lawyer or whatever, a doctor, you're going to need to make way more money than the guy who's running the cashier at McDonald's, right? To make it your main job, right? 100%. So it's obviously just dependent on what your personal floor is and ceiling based on what you're doing and kind of your lifestyle and kind of intelligence education level, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, if you have a, if your floor of your job is 150,000 a year, well, you're not really going to be a big winner if you're making twenty bucks, twenty five bucks an hour. Yeah, you know, I mean, you might be, killing that t- ten big blinds at one two or something. Right. So yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I think it's all, um, I guess, perspective. Just everyone's kind of a little bit different based on. But I definitely think with John, the little point, I'm kind of siding with that. I mean, uh, I like I say, I think they both have really good points. So it's a. Uh, and like I say, I'm not a big Matt Barkey fan, so I'm more side to more aligned to side with Jonathan Little. But I think I think they have both have good points. It's just based on kind of on the definition. It seems like big winner is where the, was where it kind of ends. Because if we're saying big winners to make th- five hundred thousand, I don't think it's achievable for most people. Uh, but okay. if it's big winner is you know just having a real a decent income, a decent side income, or like that, then I mean, at that point, then a hundred percent. If you study good material, easily you're going to get that being a profitable player. Well, now we'll talk about my session where you know the little discipline bullet that Jonathan Little posted. I apparently missed it on Twitter, so I went and was undisciplined. Oh, you should have read that Twitter tweet. Uh, I know would have changed that session. Right, would have saved me a few hundred bucks right there. Oh God. So I guess I had basically one interesting session other than a PLO hand that just went so far off the rails. You can't even hit the podcast airs, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good that nobody gives a shit about PLO who listens to the podcast. So you're safe. <laughs> yeah. But, um, here's kind of an interesting hand, super action packed player, right? Wait, uh, I know the hand or you're going to tell me, let me, let me do my hands first. Cause it's going to, because it'll put in reference to your hand. Okay, sounds good. So, because both of my both of my big hands came against that same player that you're about to describe, and they kind of throw a little bit of uh, light on the player that we're playing. Yeah, instead of me painting a picture, you can just tell the actual events. Yeah, it's a so the first hand is there's a straddle to six. And there's four callers. That player, that player that you were talking about, is two, two to my right. He makes it 35. I have pocket jacks. Player folds. What do you do here? I mean, have you played with him before or anything? Oh yeah, I played with I played with him before. Okay. Yeah. Um. And how deep are you, guys? Uh, this is pretty early in the session. I'm like 400 deep. That's kind of weird. Uh, no, I was... I thought you'd be deeper, right? I might be a little bit deeper. I w- it was around 400. I might be a little bit deeper. I was thinking to three-bet him, but knowing this player type, I'd probably like to flat and go for the set mine or try to bluff catch. I think uh, me being in the late position with multiple callers for the $6... I in this being looking kind of a little bit like a squeeze. Uh, I think it's just too good of a position not to three bet. Okay, I like I like that more as the standard move. 
Yeah, I think I do definitely think that's the more standard. Because if I if I call the thirty five and everybody's in here for six, I'm seeing this so multi way. And like you say, I'll have odds to set mine, but I think it's a little too good of a hand just to set mine with it. Uh, I three bet to a hundred. Okay, I like that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, everyone folds pre flop razor calls. No, oh, trust me, I know. You didn't have to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, the flop is nine high. It was. It was somewhat connected. It was a little worrisome. Not. It was like nine, five, seven, or something like that. It was. A, but I mean, whenever you're playing with jacks and you get a nine high flop, you're pretty happy. Uh, I, I would like it to be a little less connected. Uh, so with the stack sizes, what they were, because it was two hundred something. I think we started with like four. It. Uh, I was like, well, the SPR is pretty low here. So he checks. I just bet 75. Yeah, I'm loving all, everything about this. Uh, I really only, I'm like, it's about third pot. And it's one of those things I would do. I would play ace-king the same exact way. Uh, and it's a decent enough bet that if he's got equity, that I'm, you know, I'm decent enough at it. I'm basically jamming every turn. Once he up does this, I bet seventy five. He calls. The turn is a five. He checks. I jam for like just on like a little bit under pot. It was a, I think actually I think it was considerably under pot. I think I had like one fifty one seventy five. I was about to say it's got to be under pot, but so he tank folds. I do show jacks. He looked very tilted. I mean, I almost for a minute thought he might fold with queens or something, but. I was like, there's just no way. I mean, he would have he been getting insane odds to call, make that call. He's never uh, uh, he's never folding queens there. But he seemed very tilted by that hand, which, I don't know, it seemed like a standard hand. I figured he had like something like two overs, and just jacks were good there. Oh, I mean, trust me. Whenever I lose a hand, too, I'm tilted. Yeah, I was... I was just kind of the kind of look on his face really kind of threw me because I, I mean I feel like that was I felt like I was doing him a favor just letting him know he like I was good there. But, <laughs> maybe he felt disrespected by getting three bet with jacks. No, oh, maybe so. Someone mentioned it. They're like, "You putting a hundred dollars in with jacks?" I'm like, I mean that seemed like a very very standard spot there. I mean when it's a late position squeeze there. Oh, I mean like I said, I like that a huge portion of the time just versus that player who I think is gonna be bluffing an awful lot. Um, I like, I sometimes like calling. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, given the table talk at my table, someone was having a hard time multiplying a hundred by one. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I mean, they got it wrong more than once. Maybe I should have been at your table, man. (laughs) Uh, so this one, I'm in the big blind. It limps to me. Multiple limpers for three. There was a limp-happy table at this uh, this table, too. One of the more limp-happy ones I've been in in a while. And you were in a pretty deep game. That was a pretty it's big game. Pretty, pretty. Everyone was pretty deep. Yeah. Uh, limps to me in the big blind. I have ace-king. I make it 25. I think it's pretty standard. I mean, super standard. Okay. Uh, again, everybody folds except for that one player. Uh, flop is king seven four two diamonds. So this is one of those hands where I just hit like everything. So I'm just looking to keep him in. I bet fifteen. 
I was going to say 2025, but I think it's a, a mute point. It, it all sounds pretty good. He raises to 100. Ooh, I'm thinking devious thought. I'm not re-raising, but <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, obviously I'm never folding. Um, I'm between raising and calling. I'm, I think raising is just overplaying my hand here. I do make a fairly quick call, though. I, whenever I'm betting small, I mean, I don't love I don't love the action, but whenever I bet small, I've noticed people kind of attack it sometimes. Here's my thought on the raise, though, is I think he probably has a lesser king here a lot of the time, and you're probably fading a diamond that would kill your action, which is what would lend me towards the raise. Um, he probably has something like king jack, king queen. This is my thought whenever I raise here. Um, you think he limps king jack, king queen? He seemed to be doing all sorts of random stuff. He was raising to 45 blind, so I don't, it's very hard to put a read on that. Very, very hard for me to see someone raises blind, getting king, jack, king, queen in late position, and then all of a sudden just limping there. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like he did all sorts of random stuff. Oh, I mean, it was pretty random, trust me. <laughs> there was a lot of random stuff. Uh, but that was kind of my thought at this, in the in the moment, is I was like, well, as... I, honestly, I, it was one of those, actually, this is kind of a button click for me, because I'm like, it's one of those that I feel like if it's a king, I just felt like I was overplaying my hand, and it's way too weak to fold. I mean, literally never folding. Uh, so I call. The turn is a five. So it's now king, seven, four, five, two diamonds. He jams for $400. Call. I mean, I'm just calling. Were you, is this a snap call for you? This was a very much a tank for me. No, I'm just calling. I'm just calling. Yeah. I mean, okay, you're going to... Okay, you're going to have to give me your thought process more, more than I'm just calling here. I mean, this is a $400 into $200. I mean, with top... I mean, top... I mean, you can't be telling me you're just going to snap off top pair and, like... That's a, I mean, and you're acting like this is a completely standard thing. Right. You, I'm going to need some more reasoning out of you if you're giving me this. I mean, we have a podcast. I need a little more analysis <laughs> out of you. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's just, a, it's just a snap call in that situation. Okay, well, that was a Texas Poker podcast. Uh, we, are, uh, we, we tried. We tried. That's all I can say. What do you, what do you mean? It's a double pot bet, and you think it's a snap call? Easy. Yeah, I'm calling that. No problem. But, um... I don't know. I mean, when I watch this person bluff with Jack Five offsuit, all sorts of random stuff, I'm still putting him on a lesser king a lot of the time. And if this is how I go out, I mean, that's just how I go out on this hand. Okay, well, this is not a snap call for me. I mean, 400 into 200 okay. players. I'm sure you call, games. though, right? The, uh, so, okay. So, when, when I was going through it, I'm like, the... I did not think King 7 or King 4 were possible hands, but based on pre-flop action. Uh, and I, I am blocking them as well. So, I mean, the ones that concerned me for a while were a set of 4s, a set of 7s. But again, Ace-King, flop a king they flop a set. It's kind of how you go out sometimes, you know? Well, I kind of ruled out pocket 7s, because the same way I didn't think he would have a lesser king, or like have king, jack, king, queen. I was like, pocket 7s, I think he raises that most of the time. At least with some frequency. So, unlikely there. So I was kind of just uh, pocket 4s. So I was kind of just thinking pocket 4s. Well, I mean, with his re-raise on the flop, I don't think the 5 comes into play. 
I mean, the, now, if you're telling me that he raised with a gutter ball and he just hits it on the turn, okay, I'm, yeah, then that's just me getting Oh, no, stacked. no, sorry. No, no, I meant I said the wrong card. I was thinking, yeah, I, I'm, I'm back on board. I, I yeah. misspoke. So I kind of narrow it down to pocket fours. and But there is the two diamonds with the draw, and I'm like, well, I feel like it's a little weak to fold to just one hand in the, po- in the, in the deck. Uh, I do end up making the call. And he has two five of diamonds. Yeah, cool. Which, I mean, in all honesty, he's it's one of those hands where, I mean, he could definitely have seven four if he has two five. But, I don't know. I, I thought that was a much tougher call than you made, out to, than you made it no, out to I me. I think it's an easy snap call, but, I mean. I mean, <laughs> it just, I, I just don't know what to make of this. But, okay, but I didn't make the call. I mean, it's, uh, I put more thought of than, I put more. I mean, I was tanking for like at least five minutes on this okay. one. I'm sure you were, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you were, but I mean, it was a gigantic bet. Okay, whatever. I mean, that's uh... a. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I play it. Like, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely am getting that. Yeah. Okay, so and that's kind of why I was gonna put these into perspective because it kind of. Well, okay, was he playing that? Okay, he came from your table and came to my table. Was he playing the same way at your table? Yes. He was? Okay. I thought the jacks kind of tilted him. I mean, he seemed super tilted by that one hand, and I thought maybe he was just going off the rails there. No, from the second he sat down, everyone was like, oh, here we go, and here we went. I mean, 100%. Oh, okay. I mean, that just, I think that's what he does. I, I mean, I... I mean, I never get Delta Premium, flop good, and then fold on a draw-heavy board with Ace-King. I mean, I'm just calling and just seeing what happens kind of thing. I mean, against a player uh, who's literally just making the most random-type bets, I mean... Well, against a player like that, maybe it should have been an easier call, I will say. I mean, I definitely think there's times where I could. I mean, a lot... Well, I mean, like, well, I mean this is kind of, like, very dependent. Like, let's say even Vegas... Like, when I was playing 1-3, if it's a re-raise on the flop, I don't know. It just seemed like a set or two pair at the very least. It, like, people were not attacking. Like, in theory, like, you, I, I think you should be calling because, well, there's draws. People could be attacking there. But people don't do it as much as they actually should. Well, I mean, I saw him ship it all in with Jack-5 offsuit with Jack-high. Well, I, this, mean, I mean, against this player. Uh, like... I guess I didn't understand the level this player was. I've, I've played with him before, but it's kind of it, like kind of shuffled in the back of my mind. I don't, didn't remember seeing all that crazy stuff. And then we play with a lot of people, so it could be just anytime someone might be drinking or something like that. So I, was I don't like, think well, he was drinking. I think he was not drinking. Yes, today. he seemed exactly sober and just seemed like a dude who just was going to just mix it up and just gamble with everything and just play super aggressive. And whenever I flop like that type of hand versus that type of player i'm just calling it's just that easy i guess well like i say i hadn't like established this player type yet i guess is where the tough one was because i mean the i only had the jack's hand to go off of and that seemed at that point it was kind of a standard hand i mean i still definitely just call most players there other than like super nits but against that player it's a easy snap call for me uh, I mean, I have a hand that'll prove that it was a super easy snap call. <laughs> so. Okay, let's let's hear let's hear your hand. Now that we got some perspective on this player, let's yeah. hear your hand. Well, my hand's a disaster, but 
<laughs> um, I have Ace Five of Diamonds. Um, same player. Everyone calls a two. I'm playing. Our table was one two oddly. Yeah, Which, they started ours. Ours was was one three, but okay, you're, yeah, you're one two. Yeah, but guy makes it fifteen. Um, I call one other person calls. Ooh, see, this is somewhere where I'm three betting almost all the time with this hand. I'm super short stacked. Oh, uh, okay, that makes and, more sense. Um, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And he's even shorter than me. Uh, so okay, <laughs> that, okay. Uh, no, now I like your call a lot. Um, the flop comes five, six, seven. Um, with two hearts. And you have ace five of diamonds. Yep. And there's are there two players in the two counting him. Okay. Uh, three of us total, two other than me. Gotcha. He makes it. It was small, um, like fifteen again. Other player folds. I'm sitting here looking at this. And I'm like, ugh. Is he th- is he raising with? Uh, again, I'm thinking like overs. I'm thinking like just a random. He was the pre flop raiser. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking this is pretty draw heavy. I've seen him ship it in with a ton of draws over and over again. The real disaster is like a pair plus a draw, right? But yeah. And I'm like, well, I think I can call this. I call. The turn is a complete brick, um, like the deuce of clubs or something. So three, four is still the bottom end of the straight. And then so doesn't change anything. He then ships it all in for like 80 bucks. Okay. I just snap call. Um, Because I was thinking it was draw heavy. I've seen him ship in like 300 with jack high. So I was like, well, I feel like this is a chance where he could have overs. He could have a straight draw with a flush draw. Um, He had 3-4 offsuit for the flop straight. So I was like, well, that's tough. But. Yeah, that's a. I don't, I mean, like I say, I mean, it was one of those things where this is such a wet board for, well, I mean, like, you know how I am. I just don't think, I don't like, I don't love hero calls in general at lower stakes because people don't bluff enough. Obviously, this player changes that dynamic, which is why I wanted to tell my hands to give some perspective on this player because you can kind of see where you would be, but. Yeah, I mean, I think even against this player, like, this is just, I mean, he could have something like 8-10, and you're still, I mean, you're still almost an underdog here. Oh, no, for sure. But and, I was just, that was the hand. I mean, and like I said earlier at the podcast, that bullet, that bullet about discipline, that's what got me. I think I just got bored. I mean, i tell you what, boredom seems to be the thing me and you struggle with the most sometimes. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that, like, I think I just got bored, and I saw a spot that seemed like it could be a hero spot. Like, I don't mind it versus that guy. Whenever, if he's going to be bluffing only with Jack High, no equity bluffs, and yeah. showing him and stuff. Doesn't seem like the worst play to flop a pair and hold on one time, but. Uh, yeah, I definitely think there are times. I would like. I would like him not to have flopped a straight that time. I mean, I would like it more on, like, if it was, like, five. Like, I'm trying to think. Like. Deuce five nine, like something a little less connected. That way, I mean, if he is good, just blasting off with ace king ace queen, then you actually have pretty good equity against him. But like, there's like, there's just so much that you might actually be ahead, but you're 
I mean, you're just, he has such great equity. And the other thing is, there's almost no cards that improve your hand. I mean, like... A should be sweet. Well, yeah, an ace would be sweet. That would be <laughs> I mean, that would be nice. Another five. Actually, would be actually, good. if anything, that's not even great for you for you for the actual hand you had. But it's like, I mean, because any over cards are if you're putting them on over cards, then okay, that turn is anything from a jack through an ace. Well, obviously an ace you like, but an ace through like jack through a king. Gotcha. Good. I mean, like he could have a lot of pair plus straight draw, so a ten's not great. Uh, any nine, I mean, could be a straight, could also make two pair. But, I mean, it's one of those that was the, but I mean, me and you have all both gotten bored and just played kind of ridiculous oh, stuff. I mean, if you're, what's it called, going to make nonstop all-ins with no zero equity bluffs, I'm probably going to call at some point. I mean, even with a hand, I probably shouldn't. But if you're going to consistently win pots and keep showing no equity bluffs, I am going to call at some point. Oh, I definitely think there is a time. Like, this is a, I mean, if you are going to hero call, I will say, I do like, I don't love the situation, but I do like that you chose to do it on a player type of this of this type. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you want to get me to pay it off, just keep shipping it all in with zero equity and showing, I will pay it off eventually, for sure. Which, I mean, you kind of have to. I mean, you do. You definitely do have to adjust to the player at some point. Yeah, and so. I mean, he's going to get paid sometimes, too, whenever, you know, so it's just kind of is what it was at that point, but... Well, and yeah, if you're that type of player and you just keep doing that over and over again and you flop a straight, I mean, that is that is the good thing about being that player is you definitely are going to get paid off lighter than, I mean, like, you might be playing off lighter, like, bottom pair, but I might be, mine might be middle or top pair, but I mean, I'd take top pair way long, way, well, obviously I did. I took <laughs> yeah. top pair, you know, way harder than I would with somebody else. So, you know, it's a... One of those, but it was kind of an interesting dynamic with that player. No, absolutely. I mean, great for the game. I mean, just because I lost doesn't mean it wasn't a great game. So, yeah, it's a oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, definitely. I was I was pretty. I ended up uh, up about eight ninety for the session, and which was not a big session, long session. It was only about a two hour session for me. So it was uh it was good to walk away with that, especially considering I didn't get that much poker in this week. I'm gonna try a little bit harder next week. Nice. I ended up losing like four hundred, so that was sad for me. But not the dream, but not the worst either. Well you're you're gonna you're gonna come back, you know, fighting next week. Or I won't. Either way. But <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's like, I might just be getting knocked out again and again. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you just stay down. You just record a podcast and talk about theoretical hands. <laughs> <laughs> what I would do if this happened. Yeah. Well, if that, here was, if that hand was theoretical, I would have won. So, <laughs> on that note, this concludes the Tech Poker Podcast. Talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up, add time, and we'll see you next week.